0: Hello everyone and welcome back. We're back in the book of Romans. We're in chapter uh, 9. Uh, this has been such a powerful study so far. Um, chapter 9 is changing the subject. He's um, Basically, we were at the high point, I think, in chapter 8 um, of, of tremendous promises of hope that and uh, that God gives us and, and tremendous promises of faith, um, and involves the Holy Spirit praying for us. It shows us that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, praying for us. And um, we have so much to be thankful for. and uh, all things in our lives work for God's good will, according to His purposes. And uh, we learn that, you know, He predestined us. He foreknew us. Before we were even born, He knew which one of us are going to believe in Him because he it's not us believing in Him. it's He's calling us and He ordains us to believe in Him so that no one of us can really reject God. He's so great. And nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing at all. Neither life nor death, nor angels or rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we ended chapter 8 on such a high point. Wow, that is amazing! But now, Paul turns it around. He's now dealing with all the arguments that people are going to ask. Well, how come? What happened to me? What about all the Jewish people who don't believe? Or how come, you you know, what are you saying? That the law's not good enough? What about Moses? What about, you know, what about Jacob and Isaac and Abraham? You know, what about all this stuff? You know, is that all a waste of time now? You know, can you imagine all the, the um, people arguing? Because, I mean, think about it. All these Jewish people had been following the laws of Moses all this time, dedicating their whole life. You know, they went to Moses preschool. They went to Moses elementary school. They went to Moses high school. They went to Moses college and graduated with a degree in Moses. And then you get this new thing, this new gospel message saying it's about believing in Jesus rather than trying to follow this law. And all these people are, you know, asking stuff. So this is where Paul, I mean, Paul, writing in this book of Romans, is trying to correct some of these arguments. And so we put in at verse 4. He's talking about the Israelites and all the great, you know, people... That were born in the law. He's talking about how part of the nation gets saved and part of it doesn't. Let's jump in. Verse 4 They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. Patriarchs are like the, the, the big people. That, that we always talk about, you know, the leaders, the big leaders. And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. So, in other words, he's making the point that from the Jewish people, the Jewish people were God's chosen people. They had all this stuff, all these um, privileges about being God's chosen people. And out of their race comes Christ. Christ. According to the flesh, so according to the flesh, here comes Christ, who's God over all, blessed forever, Amen. Then he says, verse six: But it is not as though the word of God has failed. Okay, so in other words, even though you had all the, all the the law and all the things that. You know, God promises people. Now Jesus comes and says that's not good enough. Paul's saying, well, it wasn't because the law wasn't good enough. What he's getting ready to say was mankind was not good enough. The law is still perfect, even though man falls every time. Okay? Man can't can't live up to this law because the law is holy. Man's not holy. Okay? So let's jump in. Uh, Verse 6, but it's not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. In other words, just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're going to get saved automatically. Verse 7, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. Okay, so in other words, just because you're born through this line doesn't mean everybody's saved. Because you get all these people looking at Paul saying, oh, we're saved because we're following the law and because we're all the nation Israel. And Paul's looking back to him and saying, look, you may come from the nation Israel and all this great stuff, but not every Just because you're born into the nation Israel, just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're going to get saved in God's eyes. And he says, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. In other words, through your offspring... Be named. This means, verse 8, that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. In other words, the Jewish folks that are coming along aren't going to be the children of God just because they're Jewish. They're going to be counted as children of God if they are children of the promise of God. In other words, The children of God are going to be named by God to be the children. It's nothing that they do or will do because he named them before they were even born as who was going to be their offspring. So you may be Jewish, you may not be Jewish, but God has already named his children. That blows your mind, doesn't it? Because you want to say, hey, wait a minute. What about me? You're saying I'm not saved? You know, just because I don't believe in him? Well, if you don't believe in him, then God didn't choose you, did he? If you do believe in him, you believe in him not because of something you did or your belief that, you know, you figured it out to believe in God. No, you believe in God because God already chose you to believe in him. That just blows your mind, doesn't it? Probably blew these people's minds, It's blowing my mind a little bit, too. Verse 9, For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah has conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who Calls. In other words, God was saying, You're going to have two kids. And even though they hadn't been born yet, even though they hadn't even done any good or any bad, God's purpose of election might happen. In other words, God is showing us through these two, you know, the birth of these two children. Jacob and Esau, God chose one but rejected the other one. And it wasn't based on their, it wasn't based on the works, but it was what God decided. Verse 12, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated. And that, that, Quote comes from Malachi, verse one, uh, I mean, chapter one, verse two, and three. It shows that God set his saving love on Jacob and rejected Esau, hated. It's startling. My study Bible says the word hated is startling. How can God hate somebody? But as a sinner, Esau did not resolve, deserve to be chosen by God, who remains just in not choosing everybody. The salvation of anybody, you or me, it comes from God's mercy. In God's mercy, God has chosen some people to believe in him and some people not to believe in him. He chose Jacob and he didn't choose Esau. Now, look at what Paul's saying. Paul already knows what people are going to ask him. He says, what shall we say then? He's saying, okay, I know what you're going to say. Is there injustice on God's part? In other words, That's not fair. How come God chooses Jacob and he hates Esau? How can he hate anybody? That's not fair. Paul goes, by no means. Verse 15, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That comes from Exodus, chapter 33, verse 19. In other words, God's basically telling Moses, I can save whoever I need to save. I'm going to have mercy on whoever I want to have mercy on. These are my decisions, not your decisions. Okay, and so my study Bible, I'm just going to read this passage. Since God chose Jacob instead of Esau before they were even born, without regard to how good or how bad either of them would be. In other words, he's saying this baby's going to be good and this baby's going to be bad. Even before they're born, the question naturally arises, is God just in choosing one over the other? You know, how can God be a just God and do that? And Paul's saying, God is just because nobody deserves to be saved. In other words, both babies are evil. Both babies are sinners. Jacob's a bad baby. Esau's a bad baby. You're a bad baby. I'm a bad baby. We're all bad babies. Nobody deserves to be saved. And salvation of anybody, anybody that gets saved, is due to God's mercy. Okay? Because in God, in His mercy, has allowed people to believe in Him. He chooses them, just like He's showing us how He chose Jacob over Esau. That's God in His mercy. And Dr. McGee says it's God's universe. You want a different universe? Go make your own universe. But it's God's universe. And you and me and everybody else needs to know our position in God's universe. We are nothing. We are dead. We need to be on our knees to Him. It's His universe. And only because of His mercy are we even chosen, ordained, before we even born that he's going to allow us to believe in him. Isn't that wild? Verse 16. So then, this is Paul again. So then he's trying to answer this question. It depends not on human will or exertion, or that means like any effort at all on your part or my part. But he says, but on God who has mercy. All right. So who gets saved? God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh. Now let's look what he says to Pharaoh. For this very purpose, I've raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That's what God says to Pharaoh through Moses. He goes, I'm just using you to show my power. You know, I haven't chosen you to believe in me. I'm using you to show people what not to do. Isn't that wild? I mean, did did God, was that unfair to Pharaoh? You know, because Pharaoh's going to die. And Paul's saying, look, it's God. It's his decision. He's going to choose some people. And other people that don't believe in him, he's already chosen those people not to believe in him so that he can show his power and the examples of his wrath on those who don't believe. Okay, that's God's plan here. And Paul's saying, look, it's God's purpose of election. That means Some people are going to believe and some people aren't. But God's not even letting those people who don't believe reject him. God's not rejected by anybody. The people who don't believe in him simply don't believe because God didn't give his mercy to them. Verse 18 So he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whoever he wills. In other words, he's hardening their hearts. So, people who don't believe in God, that's because of God. People who believe in God, that's because of God. All right? Now, Paul goes, Paul's now in verse 19. Paul's probably, he knows what these people are saying. He goes, these people are probably saying, that's not fair. Verse 19, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? You know? Who can resist his will? In other words, why does God try to judge us if he has already told us some people aren't going to believe in him and some people will? Why is he trying to judge us if he's already, quote, programmed us before we were born? Aren't we like little robots running around and the people who... Believe in God. God's already told him. And why, why then does he want to, after he's programmed us before we were born, then why does he want to judge us when we die? That's another important question, right? Paul, he explains it in this example of God as being a potter and we're just like a lump of clay. All right? So let's go back over to verse 19. Will you say to me then... Why does he still find fault with us? For who can resist his will? We're just like robots. Why does he still want to try to judge us? Right? That's what he's saying in verse 19. Verse 20. But you... Excuse me. Verse 20 again. But who are you, O man, to answer to God? In other words, we're nothing. Will what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter... No right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? God's like a potter. You and I are like a lump of clay. And that is our rightful position. We don't have any rights. We're nothing. We're dust. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Paul kind of sums it up. You don't have a lot of credibility. You don't have cred with God. It's His universe. Know your position in it. The value that you bring to the universe is like a lump of clay. And God's making people however He wants. It's His program. It's His will. It's His universe. Verse 22. What if God, desiring to show His wrath and to make known His power... "...has endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles." Paul saying, look, You and I are nothing more than a lump of clay. It's God's decision. It's His program. And He says, What's wrong? Are you trying to tell God He's wrong? If He decides He's going to make some of this stuff out of clay, some of the people with hardened hearts, so that He can show other people with hearts for God, how much he wants to glorify them. He's made the people with the bad hearts and the people with the good hearts. He's made the evil people as well as the sinner people. He's made them all. So the sinner people, the sinful people... They think they're rejecting God. They think they're, out, they're outsmarting God. They think they've got God figured out. But God is here to say to them, I've already got you figured out. Because if you're somebody who in your heart is hardened and you think you're rejecting me, you're just a lump of clay and I've made you to reject me so that I can glorify even more the people that I have made and I have chosen to believe in me. Wow, this is super duper amazing. So we're going to stop here. Um, Our co-host in Zambia, Matali. if I include her in the podcast, that means she's been able to um, record her segment of this study today. But this stuff is really powerful stuff. And it goes to show you that if you are believing in God right now, you're putting your trust in him, you've got to know something important. And that thing is, is that God made you special. God has chosen you even before you were born. Not because you did anything good, because you weren't even born yet to do anything good. He chose you out of His mercy to include you in His plan. And your belief in Him was a sign that you're chosen And He is going to... He has predestined you. He's called you. He's justified you through Christ. And He's going to glorify you in Christ. And there's nothing you can do to get separated from His love. Because He's already chosen you. And you are special. So, that's very cool. So... As always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you next time tomorrow as we continue our study through man. We're hiking the, 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 the high mountains of the, book of, of the book of Romans. So, as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield.
1: Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 4 all the way through to verse 24. So we are in the section we have labeled dispensational, and um, it deals with God's purposes in the nation Israel. Chapter 9 deals with God's past dealings with the nation Israel, chapter 10 deals with God's and dealings with the nation Israel. And chapter 11 deals with God's future dealings with Israel. He's not done with these people. So for those expositors and people and critics who think God's done with the nation Israel, He's is not yet done. So this is a section that is labeled dispensational. So verse 4 of Romans 9 reads, Who are Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. So Paul asks the question, who are Israelites? And then he identifies them here. So there are eight marks that identify um, an Israelite. And we have started talking about it in yesterday's study. And today we will pick up from there. Actually, just from the beginning. So the marks for an Israelite is they have the adoption. That is, they are the only nation that God called Israel, my son. The only nation God has ever chosen. That's the first marker. The first second marker is they had the glory. So they are the only nation that ever had the visible presence of God. The church today doesn't have the visible presence of God. That's because the Spirit of God indwells every believer making the living Christ, um, who is at God's right hand, real to you and me, real to us. The third marker is God made covenants with the nation Israel that he intends to carry out. Most of them have been carried out, um, so, but there are a couple that haven't been carried out yet, and um, many of them he's actually already um, fulfilled potmaya is God gave to them the mosaic law and that's Exodus 19 verse 5 which reads Exodus 19 verse 5 reads now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be special treasure to be above all people for all the earth is mine and if we turn to Exodus 31 verse 13 it reads speak also to the children of Israel saying surely my sabbaths you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations and you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you so here he, he gave the Sabbath to the Israelites and to us didn't change the Sabbath day but well, he changed us he gave us the Holy Spirit and um, the Lord Jesus Christ um, is our go in between the, who died for us so we rest in the Lord Jesus Christ So, um, this is for the nation Israel, and today we are in Christ, and that's um, a new relationship. And the fifth marker is they have to do with the worship of the tabernacle and later on the temple. So, they were to be a kingdom of priests, and if we turn to Exodus 19, verse 6, which I think states this um it reads and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which you shall speak to the children of israel okay and then um you know the nation actually failed and god um the the nation failed god so he Took one tribe, that's the tribe of Levi, and they had the service of the tabernacle and later on the temple. The sixth one is they had God's promises and the old testament is abound with God's promises to these people. So when God told Joshua to cross the Jordan to and possess the land, so that was um they were going to the land God had promised them. That's one of God's promises. So, um, you know, if the, you know, from all the books that we've actually read, we can actually see um, the promises that God gave to these people. He promised them, uh, you know, he promised them a land of milk and honey. And that's one promise that yeah. he actually granted them. They went into Canaan. They just failed to actually. Um, keep the end of the bargain then the next marker that they're Israelites is they have the fathers that's Abraham Isaac and Jacob and the eighth and last um, marker is um, the identification is Christ the Messiah okay going back to sorry the seventh it's not it's not that Abraham is not our father he is father of the nation but for them they have they're directly their father's we are uh we have abraham isaac and jacob as our fathers through the lord jesus christ once we actually um, when he died uh for us we died in christ and we are part of um christ's family so going back to the identification is christ is the messiah he came according to the flesh and came to the earth and he was a Jew. So a woman at the well actually called him a Jew. And Paul was careful to actually say, we know him no longer through, though, sorry, no longer though after the flesh. So he, uh, Christ, uh, Paul, sorry, recognized him as the God-man, you know, and the Word became flesh. So he is Christ overall. God bless more. And um Paul identifies him so, you know, as the God man. So he is the God man as Paul has actually identified him in scripture. Okay, so verse six of scripture, that's Romans nine reads. Actually let me read verse five. And then I read down to, go down to verse six. It says, Of whom are the fathers and whom from whom according to the flesh Christ came? who is over all the eternity the eternally blessed God. Amen. Verse six. But it is not that the word of the that the word of God has taken no effect for they are not all Israelites who are of Israel. So here Israel now is identified and not all the natural offspring of Israel Not the real Israel. Sorry, the Jew in Paul's day raised the question as to why the Jew had not um, wholeheartedly accepted Christ since they were an elect nation, which is a good question. And in chapter 3, if we go back, Paul had partially dealt with this particular question, and Paul will make a distinction between the natural offspring of Jacob. And the spiritual offspring. Verse 7 goes on to read. That's, you know, Paul later on will do that. We'll make this distinction. Verse 7 goes on to read. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be cold. So if the seed were um reconned on natural birth alone. Then, you know, the Ishmaelites, the Edomites, the Midianites would all be included as, would, you know, would be included as these are all physical offsprings of Abraham. But this was no assurance that a person was a child of promise, you know, just because they are the direct seed. It's just no assurance of. It's, it's just not about who exactly or what they are like what their lineage is. Yes, they are sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, they are the natural offsprings, but that doesn't qualify them automatically to be um. To be the. You know, it, it, to be reconned on. To be part of a family, rather. Yes, let me just put it like that. To be part of Christ's family. Verse 8. Scripture goes on to read. That is those who are children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise who counted as the seed. So Paul makes it clear. He makes a clear distinction between the elect and the non-elect of Israel. And if we look at Acts twenty one twenty, it reads um, twenty one twenty reads, and when they heard it, they glorified the God, the Lord, and they said to him, "You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews they are who have believed." And they are all zealous for the law. So, in Israel, thousands actually turned to Christ after the death and resurrection of Christ. So they were the elect, and Paul called them Israel. Verse 9 goes on to read, For this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. So... The children of the promise are not those who believe something. You know, Isaac didn't believe before he was born. Isaac was the promised seed. So God promised and made good. Verse 10 goes on to read. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. So, um... There are given here as an illustration of this principle um a divine election, and verse eleven goes on to read for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election, might stand not of works uh but in him who calls, so Paul here is actually makes an entire choice to actually rest upon the purpose of God according to the election. So he further qualifies the statement that it's not works, but rests upon God, who calls. So not uh, the call, this is not the call of salvation. So it's not about the works or like you know we said earlier on like the natural, the physical, um, connection, like you know, direct connection like the Ishmaelites or the Edomites and all. It's it's about whether one rests upon God to be part of God's family. Verse twelve goes on to read. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger So this was given before the boys, that's um Jacob and Esau were even born into the world. Um, verse 13 goes on to As it is written, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. So this statement only was only made until the boys had actually lived their lives and two nations had come from them. And those two nations had, had almost 200 years of history. Uh, the statement was actually given in the last book of the Old Testament. Um, that was, you know, years later. Um, after you know, Exodus was written. Verse fourteen, verse three. We shall. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. So we have. Um, another section here that we've gotten to and the choice um, of Israel is in the sovereign purpose of God. That's the new section here. So whatever God wills, that's his sovereign purpose. You know, whatever we fail to understand, the question that we cannot get answers to, it's because it's the sovereign purpose of God. So um, the natural man actually rebels against the sovereignty of God which is, you know, the highest state of rebellion. So if anything is left to God to make the choice, it's actually met immediately. Um, and concludes that there is injustice, right? So we don't question um, of men, for example, politicians. Um, you know, we don't have... Like, especially politicians, you know, the decisions they make and all, if they're unjust and all. We don't question that. But we don't trust God's judgment. And God is, he's a creator. He's the owner of this universe. And God is uh, not unjust. So we cannot reconcile God, God's sovereign election with man's free will. We are just creatures and he's God. So we are in his universe. And he runs it he wills. so if we don't like how he runs it and we feel it's unjust then we should probably to, uh, to go to another our, universe our, ourselves because at the end of the day we are just created we are creatures and god created us and um you know a lot of times um you know he he runs this not even a lot of times he runs this by his purpose to achieve his purpose so he runs based on the sovereign his sovereign will verse 15 goes on to read for he says to moses i will have mercy on whoever i will have mercy and i will have compassion on whomever i will have compassion so moses actually wanted to see the glory of god and he said to him i will show it to you but I won't show it to you because you are Moses. But I will show it to you because I am God. So God, verse 16 goes on to it. So then it is not for him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. So God's mercy is not extended as a recognition of human will, nor is it a reward of human work. These are not motivating causes of God's action. So, God extends mercy because He actually is God. Who are we to question Him? I mean, He extends mercy out of His sovereign will. God will have mercy on Him, He will have mercy on. He will have compassion on whoever He will have compassion. We cannot question God like why did you do A, B, C, D? It's His sovereign will. And this I've come to actually understand um one time i just don't remember recall what book we were in you know just a couple of i think a month after the passing of mom and i had a lot of whys and then i read about the sovereign of god and there was my why that was answered you know i may ask a lot of questions and um try to figure out why certain things happen why we lose loved ones just like that and what I don't have an answer to is that why. And, you know, it's sovereign will of God to um, why certain things actually happen. It's God's universe. And if God feels it's someone's time to actually go home, he wants them to go home, then who am I to actually question it? So that's my why. So, you know, every time I look and ask the why in this earth, Like things I cannot understand. This is my why. God's sovereign will. So God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy on and he will have compassion on whom he will have compassion. Um, Okay, so verse 17 goes on to read. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up and I may show you my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So God actually used Pharaoh. So God will, yeah, people say Pharaoh was not an elect, but God will, uh, God's will in Egypt, you know, had to prevail. And, you know, Pharaoh actually made his own decision. Even God used him, but Pharaoh He, like, pushed him to actually just do what was in his heart. Because Pharaoh did it out of his own decision. And all that God actually did was make or force him to make the decision that was in his heart. So God is God. He is in charge today. And he rides triumphant in his own chariot. Today, he is not stopping for man's green light. just keeps moving and moving um and um god is god he is sovereign so this is our teaching for today thank you all for listening and god bless you all and have a pleasant pleasant day bye